0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy.
1: Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time
0: to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, we have David Ditchfield. David was dragged under a speeding train in a freak accident in 2006. As the surgeons fought to save him, he had a profound near-death experience when he woke up from the hospital, he was shocked to find that he had come back to earth with some new amazing abilities. And so he has written a book called Shine On that talks about his near-death experience. And being a nde or myself, I am super, super excited to have David on today. Welcome.
2: Thanks for having me along.
0: Thanks for being here. David, when you came across the email, I was like literally jumping up and down. I was so excited because us near-death experiencers are kind of our own category of people.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I can remember that one of the very first gifts I got after my near-death experience was a book called Proof There's Heaven. It's about a neurosurgeon. He had a near-death experience but it inspired me to write mine out because i didn't want to forget it is that what inspired you to write your book
2: i felt like that yeah when i was lying in hospital and i had just come round from my first lot of uh, 8 hour operation i would also just had a near death experience prior to that in the emergency department of the hospital and so i was really scared i was going to forget everything and hmm. so what i decided was i'm dyslexic so i thought i'd never be able to write a book so I figured oh. the first thing I'm going to do is paint. And i would never done any paintings before either, but I, I thought I'm going to do that. So I decided that's what I would do. So I started painting what I'd seen in the afterlife uh, on huge canvases. That's what I thought. It's got to be like the big um, Renaissance paintings that you see in Rome, in the Vatican, which you know, hang all over the ceilings and walls, you know. So it's a big dramatic thing that happens. And I thought it's got to be told in the best possible way. So, yeah. So I started off by painting.
1: I feel that way sometimes when I can't really express in words something. I'm like, well, I can't, I don't know how to say it, but I could draw it. I feel that way sometimes. But I wanted to ask you, David, who were you before all this Who happened?
2: was I before? Yeah, I was dyslexic. Uh, so I failed most of my academics at school. So I left without any qualifications, really. I'd moved to London. I was basically picking up manual labouring work uh, most of the time. So it was It was very much sort of day-to-day. There was no sort of like security in my finances. You know, it was, it's a very competitive city as well, like all capital cities. And so I was hanging out with people who were successful. And so I was kind of aspiring to them and, and wanting to be part of that. So life was a struggle. Life was tough, like it is for a lot of us, I know. I had no sense or feel of spirituality or any sense of warmth or help with me. So I was very isolated in myself. And I figured that my way of dealing with anything that ever went wrong in my life was just by going for a quick fix, if you like, just to get over it, the nearest thing I could do. And that was usually like going to my local bar and hanging out with friends and just drinking. So
1: what led you to this accident? Can you talk about the accident? Well,
2: basically, yeah. um, As I say, I got to the point where I was so down on my luck. I was broke. I remember opening the fridge once one day and I looked in the refrigerator and there was just, nothing no food in there just a bottle of beer <laughs> i just thought is this what it's come to and my sister bless her she said look come and stay with us in the family and they live out in cambridge in the country so i went there for a couple of weeks just to sort of you know try and sort of recharge my batteries and i'd met somebody just a couple of weeks prior to that and we connected and we we kept in touch over the phone and so i said why don't you come visit with, for a couple of days so she did so this, this was uh, somebody called Anna. Um, anyway, she had to get back to London. So uh, I took her to the rail station. I helped her onto the onto the carriage, you know, with her bags. And I gave her a hug and a kiss to say goodbye. And at that point, I heard the buzzers going for the, the doors to close, you know. So I remember Anna saying, come on, you better get off. I was going, yeah, yeah, I'm going, you know, one last hug. And then as I stepped back... The doors closed, and then uh, my coat got trapped in the bottom of the, you know, it was like a three-quarter length coat, and, it, and I just couldn't pull it out. No, there was no way it was going to come out, so. Uh,
1: oh, my God.
2: Yeah, so that was <laughs> it Was pretty scary, and so I called out for help at the top of my voice, but there was yeah. no one there. There was no guard or anything, and. Um, and oh,
1: my God. She must have been terrified, right? She's exactly. She's washing this as yeah. well.
2: She's looking right through the glass doors, you know, at me. And I'm looking at her as to say, I can't free it, you know. And I was like hitting the windows of the carriage, hoping that a guard might come through there, but nobody did. And then oh, we heard God. the engines rev up. And I remember I looked into Anna's eyes and I just saw the look of, of horror in her face. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, you know, this is it. I'm going to die. I just thought, because there's no way I'm going to get free of this. And so the train pulled out the station. A Terrific pace you know you don't realize just how fast they pull out of stations you know because you don't when you're on one you're just looking at your phone or whatever aren't you you don't really care you know but when you are trapped it's uh it's very frightening the speed it accelerates i lost my footing I got dragged along the platform and then I got pulled between the space of the platform edge and the train itself. And then down I went visualize the edge of the platform and then the actual, yeah. Then the actual train carriages itself were just, were just flying by and I'm still attached to it. So I got sucked into the, into that space and Uh, I got pulled under and I got thrown in, you know, under the wheels and I was just tossed around basically from pillar to post. And
1: uh, it
2: it was just, um, a violent moments to say the very least and
1: were um, you conscious to a lot of it
2: yeah throughout the whole thing i didn't lose conscious uh, at all um, oh but,
1: god do you have a lot of ptsd over this
2: yeah i mean i've had an awful lot of therapy to deal with that okay but, um, okay but good yeah, but most certainly yeah i do <laughs> oh <my laughs> because god, i'm so I, sorry
1: you know, that that happened to you
2: and sadly, you know, a lot of people have really awful accidents and they're all, you know, they're all sort of relative to, you know, you know, people say to me, oh, wow, you know, I meet people who have come off motorcycles or whatever, you know, and they say, oh, it's nothing like yours. I said, no, but it is, it's, it's relative. It's, it's the, the mind and the body should not have to go through these kind of accidents at all. It's just too much to deal with, you know, so but I, I survived it. And by a miracle, I survived as well, because after the accident itself, the, the British Rail Police did a massive inquiry. You know, they took a year. And at the end of their inquiries, you know, they turned around and said, well, we've finished now. But um, we're just, we've just got to tell you that we're all banging our heads together, saying there's no way you should have survived. We did all our figures and uh, measurements, and you should be dead. We don't get it. you know. But something more powerful than any of us uh, saved me that day, and that's what I was about to find out.
0: what injuries were you left with
2: well I came out pretty good really considering that I would got pulled under a a speeding train and and got thrown between the wheels and stuff the the one injury that was life threatening was uh, that my my left arm was severed, so uh, I was losing a lot of blood Uh, so by the time I got to the hospital itself you know they really I could tell that they were trying to save my life and uh, I was very scared still at that point because and this was a different fear you know the fear going under the train, that was, I'd gone into survival mode, if you like. You know, I was just trying to survive that. But in the hospital, it was out of my hands. It was like, I could hear the doctors frantically sort of shouting out all this science and figures. I'm thinking, what are they saying? What does that mean? You know, and I knew that the blood loss was, was big. And uh, my family arrived really quick as well. It's, it's, it was unbelievable how quick they managed to get to the hospital. So it was lovely to see them. And obviously they were in a massive amount of shock and my mom was in tears, you know, did you
0: ever at any point have an outer body experience or? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what came next. I was, um, I suddenly went from, from the, uh, the actual horror of, of the accident and the pain and lying in that hospital to a very peaceful and darkened place. And, uh, but it, it was like a lovely darkened space, you know, it was very relaxing and, and I figured at that point, straight away, I, I thought, "This is it. I've died. You know, I'm. Uh, I've passed on. I didn't resist it. I didn't. I know that some people do. I've done, obviously done a lot of more research into NDEs, and some people do resist it and they want to come back because they've got family they want to stay around for. But it's not like I wanted to die at all at that point. But uh, I was just so comfortable with with where I was that just that I just wanted to embrace it. You know, at that point. Do you have a choice to come back or stay? Um, No, I didn't have a choice. No. I mean, as, as my NDE uh, unfolded, there was lots of various elements to it that happened and and there was a lot of knowledge and intuition that was coming through, you know, telepathy that was coming through while I was there. And I just figured that as much as I was quite happy to stay where I was and the, the more I was seeing and the more I was taking in, it was just beautiful that, they decided uh, to send me back. So it wasn't my choice, but I didn't regret that choice either. You know, Um, when I first did come back from it all, it was a shock, you know, because all the pain had come rushing straight back through me and all the anxiety was all there again, but... um
0: your book shine on you go into great detail about exactly what you saw and experienced. so we don't want to spoil the book for the listeners but when you say telepathic was that from angels was that god was that people you'd known that had passed away or who were you getting this information from you said they
2: yeah they because initially uh well i was greeted with one guide i call at first which is like my my guardian angel if you like this guide was neither male nor female so an androgynous being very sort of it was odd because i felt like i'd known this this person throughout the whole of my life and beyond you know sometimes if you go to a a party or whatever and you just get chatting to someone you've never met before but you just hit it off and i don't mean like you know like you're attracted to them well maybe you might be but a bit but you know you just get that connection where you chat and you feel like i've known you before I feel like I've known you for years. It was like that, but it was a lot deeper, a lot deeper than that. So yeah. Most of the telepathy was coming through that. And then uh, two other females that as well that I encountered um uh, were, were there. And I didn't know them, but they were healing me. And there was there was an awful lot of warmth coming from them. The one to my right was very much I I describe as being sort of European, I guess, with she had long brown hair. And I remember she just had a very plain, simple brown dress on. And then the girl uh, to my left was more Asian, Indian or, or American Indian, I'd say. Yeah. I couldn't decipher whether it was either of one, but, they were, but she was wearing more of a, a, a traditional dress as well, which was, which was really lovely. They had their hands kind of going over my body and just their hands were just kind of like healing me and I could feel love coming through their hands. It was like I'd describe it as unconditional love and, and the energy from their hands was uh, very powerful ultimately in in that sphere myself for example um, even though it was me that was there it felt like it was just my pure essence of my soul that was mm-hmm. in that sphere it wasn't my physical being you know and not only my physicalness because i mean when i looked at my body all my in- injuries were healed there was nothing wrong with my arm it was it was attached again there was, it wasn't even a scratch but not only that I noticed that other things I carried around with me all my life, you know, the the layers of feeling guilty and shameful and and failure and all those all those negative energies, they'd all gone, they're completely dispersed, and it's it's almost like when I was being healed by the the female forms, that I felt that they weren't really healing my body. Well, they may have been some of it because it had been through a heck of a trauma, but. I feel that they were healing years of pain that I'd got in my soul, and they were like taking off the layers, if you like, and just getting down to that pure essence of my soul. So if that's the case, those beings of light will be, they would be just pure essence of soul themselves, you know. So it doesn't matter about sexuality, whether they're male or female,
0: I guess, mm. you know? Wow. Were you in a earthly dimension? Like, did it look like earth around? Did you see, or were you just more focused on your angels?
2: The one thing that did uh, have an earthly appearance about it was that I I discovered that I was laid on like a huge slate rock, like a huge medieval altar, if you like. And it was like very comfortable to lie on, which is strange because I'd noticed I was no longer clothed either. But but also I was covered in a blue sort of uh, satin, more silk sort of sheet so those were the one things that i noticed that were other than that i realized that i wasn't in a darkened room as it were that i was actually in the universe itself because i saw some amazing sights and some amazing parts of the universe as well i did see you asked me about god as well so Mm -hmm. i saw god but it wasn't in the form of what i'd always believed that god would look like i.e you know a guy with a beard <laughs> up in the sky uh, that, that we see you know paintings or whatever but um or whatever our faith may be you know it's normally in a human kind of form isn't it god and, and um but this was actually the tunnel of white light that most people talk about in near-death experiences the tunnel that i saw was just so powerful and it was huge and it was just coming towards me and getting closer and closer and it was surrounded by flames that were just slowly rotating around and, I just felt in awe of this sight because it wasn't at all frightening because, as I say, I've got no sense of any negative feelings and I was just going, wow. And I just knew, again, the telepathy that was coming from that because the energy was just so powerful that I just thought, this is it. This is the source of all creation. This is where it all comes from. This is God. So, yeah. Interesting because it's, uh, you know, it's as clear as, it, as if it's just happened. I would describe near-death experiences as being ultra real you know even though it's a different dimension and it's as real as I'm talking to you two guys now that it's a different dimension and the fact that I was scared I was going to forget it was I had to fear really because I I never have and every time I discuss it I'm almost back in that realm on there you know
0: yeah whenever I speak about mine too I, I just get like over my entire body chills I get very emotional I get almost nervous in my throat we have a lot of similarities in our experiences as, you know I was greeted by five women angels as well I saw places that are almost indescribable do you find that you have a hard time articulating words that fit what you experienced and saw because they're beyond any words in a dictionary <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah sometimes I do yeah. I, mean, I mean I've been talking about it a fair few times now so, so each time I do I'm finding that I'm managing to fill those gaps that are yeah. hard to put across because
0: it's just really hard to find words that can portray exactly the amount of love you feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is actually. Yeah. And like I was talking about the energy that was coming through, mm-hmm. I described that as a, a sensation of like every molecule of my body was actually vibrating with this love, you know, and it's just so powerful. And also the love, it's a different type of love. And I've described it, and I still do, as being all the different types of love you've experienced throughout your life, whether it's from your mother, father, your pet cat, or your lover, or whatever. And it's all those different types of love, and they're all condensed into that energy that's coming through. That's how it felt to me, anyhow.
0: Wow. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So, this part I have to admit I was really jealous about because I did not come back with any special abilities. (laughs) No, I did actually. I came back with some mediumship, but I definitely did not come back with being able to compose music and I'm not artistic at all. Let's talk about that. I absolutely intrigue you to this day, cannot even write a single note
2: yeah exactly it's interesting because like i said when i did that painting i just knew from day one uh, i thought right i'm going to do this painting i've never done it before i didn't even think twice about it it's going to be done and it's the same with the music that came about because i started having spiritual healing um that i found that to be really beneficial when this was like right at the beginning when i was in a just come out of hospital and in those spiritual healing sessions, the healers, it's just, just a very calm atmosphere and they just put their hand, lay their hands on you, on their shoulders or whatever, you know, and they conduct this energy through that they're bringing from either my guides or from their own, you know, and they're healing me. And some of them are clairvoyant and kept getting just small messages afterwards. The one healer in particular, joy who was hanging me she kept saying why am i picking up a violin lying across your chest i was going i have no idea and then another one would say beethoven wagner you know i said no idea then one of them turned around one week and said look they're telling me you're going to write a piece of music about your experience on the other side and i thought okay so um i just couldn't play guitar or anything but i i used to try and play guitar three chord wonder you know punk sort of rock or whatever you know and uh, but I couldn't do that anymore because my left arm being injured badly. And so I got this old synthesizer out the cupboard and I was playing around on that. and trying to write what I thought would be a three minute pop song, you know, but it wasn't to be, it just wasn't coming. And then one day I was just kind of like, I'd literally got a a movie on the TV and I just got this synthesizer out and this little chord structure came while I was tampering. I thought, wow, that's nice. And all I got was a a little cassette recorder. So I recorded that little section onto it and I started building it up and up. And I thought, this sounds like it should be played by an orchestra. So again, I got this same sense of, um, why not? You know, let's do it. And uh, uh, there was a lot of synchronicity happened in my life as well after the the NDE. Like I got to know a cello player. She used to come up and watch me paint and and became friends. She said to me one day, oh, what have you been up to? You know, and I told her about this piece of music. And she laughed and said, oh, maybe our orchestra could perform it. And I thought, yeah, that'd be great. I spoke <laughs> to my brother and he said, look, I've got this software that you can attach to your computer. And when you're playing your music on the keyboard, on your you know, piano keyboard or whatever, it will then convert it into sort of notation. And <sighs> I got to learn all the different instruments and how that would sound. You know, I'd hear instruments in my head and then it would transpose it into those parts. So I got it; the parts all printed off and I met my friend in the cafe with the conductor from the orchestra and they they said, yeah, we'll do it. So (laughs) so it was performed and um, it was amazing because there was a lot of synchronicity. Again, I I knew I was being helped by the way, everything that I do with my paintings and my music, it's not all me. It's not, I've suddenly come back and I'm doing this on my own. I'm just what I call channel ideas. I get, I get ideas coming through and they help me to, put those ideas onto a canvas and I'm painting or or music to form and um but they also helped bring that concert together and uh because I remember the conductors turned around to me and said oh would you mind saying a few words to the local press about your piece I said yeah sure so I spoke to the local press and they remembered me from the accidents and stuff and they said oh yeah you're the guy who went under the train so it ended up going on the front page. I said, "This is a great story, you know." So it did, and then the phone didn't stop ringing, and suddenly it went on. Then the BBC came and they wanted to interview me, and then the the concert sold out two weeks in advance, which was wow. uh, which was amazing. The, the orchestra couldn't believe it. They're going, "This is great, you know." So, <laughs> so
1: wow.
2: I was being helped. They were helping me bring that together. Those people out <laughs> there, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: that's what I was going to ask you. Have you ever connected with your guides and angels that you met there since?
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, Still, I'm not clairvoyant, so I don't actually see them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I sense their presence and I know that they're there because I feel that I can call upon them, you know, and I do.
1: Good. Are you afraid to die?
2: No, I'm not afraid to die (laughs) because... I've seen what awaits us all, and, and what awaits us is really beautiful. And, and not only that, more importantly, it's I know I've got the proof now that life continues on, you know, that the soul continues. That the, yeah, the, the body stops and, and switches off and decays, but the soul is too powerful just to suddenly just switch off like a light. So it continues on. And so, yeah, so I'm not afraid to die.
0: So my near death experience kind of sprung me into this insane spiritual awakening uh, there was no going back I had some physical symptoms that came with it I'm just curious did you in recovery and years after find that that you had any ringing in your ears were your senses heightened like what were some physical things that you went through
2: yeah my senses were, were definitely heightened It was interesting when i went when i discovered that spiritualist church i started going to their sort of church meetings each week and after the end of their meetings they'd have like um, a guest medium would just stand up and talk for half an hour and and pick people out and pick, get in touch with their loved ones. And they're really good. You know, they're all amateurs, but they're fantastic, you know. And, uh, and I found that I was being picked out every single week. And I, it became the joke of the church. They kind of laughed every time someone would go, oh, the gentleman over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But I figured at that point it's because I was still so, my spiritual energies were still very, very enlightened and charged from, from the other mm-hmm. side where i had been. With spiritual healing as well, I, you know, I, they always tell me when they heal me, even now, that I'm very open to the energy coming through. And so mm-hmm. it's great for them as well, because the people who are healing me are also, we're all going through it together. You know, the energy is coming through them as well. So so there's that element that is very prominent.
0: It was hard for me to just, you know, because I didn't know if it was trauma yeah. from being in the ICU. Once I dealt with the trauma and did a lot of EMDR, I found that as I continued through this kind of awakening, uh, spiritual awakening, I still had these symptoms. And so Shanna and I started researching them and she had some as well. And she was going through an awakening also. And it was interesting. We found online that a lot of people that were kind of awakening to this new spiritual realm and life were having the same ones. So that's Mm -hmm. why I
2: okay yeah it's really interesting a lot of look into that so david
1: you to... said that you weren't clairvoyant but you mm. paint so where are you getting the inspiration for your pieces that you paint
2: um well some of it is is visually what i saw um, okay. which, which, which is going on to the painting but some things go on onto, onto the canvas that i just kind of let the brush do its work and, and things develop like for example. In some of the paintings that, that I painted from my, from my NDE, uh, I did those, you know, right from the start. And quite recently, new photographs came through from Hubble, you know, the, the space telescope or whatever you call it, the, that takes these photographs from, from far galaxies. And they just come through. And this is only two years ago, I think it was, they came through. And people who know me, uh, family and friends who know my paintings, were sending me emails saying, have you seen these? It's just like your paintings. And it wow. actually was. So that was pretty spectacular because I saw that first and I suddenly thought, are people going to buy it if I turn around and say this? But to have a, a, my friends and family turn around and think it as well. So, so I was being led to paint certain bits of which are, as I said, I, I was very much in space. I was very much in the universe. So, so these were images that had come through from, this, from the Hubble. is very recent so it was again affirmation so but with the music it's the same thing that you know that i wanted the the um the music to be about my journey i just wanted to give a different dimension a different take i wanted people to try and get what it's like to have a near-death experience and what i experienced on the other side as we talked earlier about sometimes struggling for words i thought with Uh. music people can absorb music and they can get their take on it and they did And it's great because people get back to me now who hear my music because it's on my website, so I I stream it for free, and and it's great people getting back and saying, wow, I picked up blah 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 this 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 moment in the second uh, you know movement that felt I got this. I was going that's exactly it, but I didn't I didn't plan it out, you know, I didn't say right this is going to be the first movement and the second one's going to be like this. I just let it all flow and the ideas come through. Again, I knew nothing about. I mean, I've met classically trained people like conductors of orchestras and stuff like that. And they say to me, I wouldn't even attempt to, to write a symphony. I don't know how you did this. And so it's, it's a mystery, but wow. it's, a, it's a lovely mystery.
0: What did your recovery look like? Because I know my recovery, I was forced to be mindful and slow down. And I think that had a lot to do with teaching me to be present and that's where a lot of my awakening came because in my life before that I was very very busy all the time I was a big partier I was always like on the move I, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin yeah. so after my near-death experience I was literally forced to be mindful because I couldn't lift my arms I couldn't feed myself can you relate?
2: Yeah I can totally relate with that because um, one thing I, I hadn't anticipated and that was when I'd come back from the near-death experience. I was so charged with love and positive energy and I was radiating that out to people if you like um, that I felt great but that was I was in a safe place because I was in hospital and then once I came out of hospital I was recovering in my sister's home so I was in that lovely safe bubble so it was great but as soon as I left uh, and I got my own apartment I suddenly had to take on some legal stuff as well and then I just couldn't deal with it, and I kind of had a meltdown. To be honest with you, I just, felt, I just, I was just too. I wasn't guarded, you know. I was just wide open. I was just this massive, sensitive energy of of love, mm-hmm. and then the world isn't like that, you know. The world, as we all know, that the, the world can just come out and just try and pull me straight down to my knees. I struggled, but thankfully, I was still going in in and out of hospital, you know, to have my dressings changed and what have you. And they saw a massive change in me because they'd been delighted with my. Positiveness towards my recovery—they couldn't get over it, you know. I mean, my surgeon—he just said, "Oh, you're, you're my star patient. You're incredible. You know, you—you you went under a train, and look at you. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly, I—I I came down. But thankfully, they—they sent me straight into into therapy.
0: It felt like the world was trying to eat me up too. So they—it was trying to take away what I had experienced. They were trying to say, "Oh, it was probably just the medications." I started doubting my reality, and then, at one point, I said, "No." I'm not letting the world take away what I just experienced and saw because you get so many skeptics that come in and go, oh, you just created that. And then there were days where if I did have a bad day, I actually felt guilty because I was like, Mandy, you should be so grateful that you're <laughs> accept, alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that you're alive. Yeah. How dare you, you know, get upset over something so stupid. So I started kind of getting hard on myself sometimes. Did you ever do that?
2: I did do uh, you know I I just couldn't cope at first and I was feeling scared I just thought uh, am I really going to be able to just kind of come out of this this positiveness that I've been in and, and actually be able to steer myself through the world and yeah. I, I thought it was going to be a struggle and actually it, I, it was a mixture of having therapy but actually having the spiritual healing and spiritual advice as well because uh, I also met a spiritual healer who helped me a lot and she said to me, Do you know what, in fact, a lot of them said to me when I was going for spiritual healing, they said that you've got to learn to protect yourself. And I didn't understand what that meant at first, but I do now. But they just said that you would far too open. So it took a while to deal with it. But again, I, inside, I got a determination not to let it beat me. Thankfully, I didn't have too many, hardly anybody really turn around and question what had happened and say, oh, you know, it was a medication. Uh, the hospital I was in, it's like a university hospital. And they started doing studies into near-death experiences. So they got scientists who were, who'd come into the hospital and they were trying to, you know, sort of... Um, look at it from that angle and so the BBC radio station phoned me up and said look would you come on the show and talk about it, your experience, I said yeah sure I went on that show I don't know if you had them in the States, called drive time shows, so they're kind of like very upbeat and everything's kind of hey you know it's going to be a great day you know the sun's shining, we're going to keep pumping the music, it's all like that you know okay. and, I'm like, um, and I just thought "Oh, this is all wrong, I thought again I'm too vulnerable, they're going to eat me alive Aww. So um, this guy introduced me. So he's going to be, uh, David. He, he had a near death experience, you know, it was all uh, already doubting it, you know, he's going to be on after the news. And so I thought, here we go. So I went on and I just started talking about it. And this guy went from being this kind of like drive time flash sort of presenter to saying, this is amazing. And he was like really drawn in by it. And I yeah. knew from that point that, yeah, if that guy's going to stop and listen to what I have to say, then that's, that was yeah. a good point for me, you know.
1: So have you ever looked into soul merging or do you know anything about that?
2: I don't actually know. Yeah.
1: Soul merging. So there's been cases where have you ever heard of the uh foreign accent syndrome?
2: No, I'm terrible. I I, I should do more research. So okay. Property especially so. go on, carry on.
1: Yeah, there's a really good episode on the network Gaia. There's an episode, and I want to say that it is a lot about past lives, but they also go into what is called soul merging, where sometimes like midlife in somebody's life, all of a sudden they get like this gift. You know, some people get the gift of um, kind of like I did. I started sewing. Like I had never, I didn't even know what a sewing machine was. In fact, I called the little bobbin, a bobber for like two years. But someone was like, you know, that's not a bobber. You keep calling it a bobber. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, quilting. Like, it probably made like 100 quilts in like oh, two wow. years. And, you know, I don't know where it came from. But there's also people who have gone under anesthesia or have had episodes in comas or have been knocked out and they wake up and they have like these new talents. And one of, they call it soul-merging. And they have this one that is just incredible, kind of reminds me of yours. It's called Foreign Accent Syndrome, where they wake up and they have an I've
2: accent. i of that one, yeah. yeah. A
1: specific, you know, an accent to very specific places. It's amazing. Yeah. It's not crazy. It's actually very amazing
0: it's, it's, and it's, fascinating. Of course,
2: yeah. It's, it is fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, so do you
0: think that he merged, soul merged with Beethoven while he was in his near-death experience? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well if, if, um, I don't
0: know,
2: but yeah i i mean I'm, i most certainly do feel that I'm, I'm merging with with some of the someone up there who because i i never used to listen to classical music so i mean the only classical music i knew was just from from film scores you know so i'd know pe- pieces that have been used in films but i find myself listening to it more now because i find it really relaxing and uh, and it's great and so i've got to know various pieces and I'll hear them. I'll put the radio on. I go, wow, that's that sounds like it could be me. That you know what I don't mean that from an egotistical point of view. What I mean is, that I've obviously I've obviously channeled from that composer, and, I'm, and I think I must find out who it is. And so I kind of get to know various composers. And interestingly enough, ah. the very first piece that I wrote, you know, I remember when it was at the first rehearsal, and uh, the conductor turned around afterwards, and he said, "Oh, I forget what." piece I think it was um I think it was Delius I can't remember now but but he compared it to a a composer he said your work sounds very much like this composer and I said I've I've never heard of him and he just smiled (laughs) that's 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 great because you've never heard of this guy and and I think that you sound like him so he knew that I was giving it straight so he loved it the fact that I'd I'd um, you know picked up Mm-hmm. So Debussy, that was it. He said it, it sounds a bit like Debussy or your work, and, I, and so now I've heard more of Debussy. Well, Although yeah. I don't, I don't think it actually. Was. <laughs> uh,
1: it's also, the um, people who get like organs from other people. Yes. You know, I, I know someone who got lungs from someone else, and yeah. his wife tells me that his personality has totally changed for the better. Thank God. Yeah. But do I, you feel I like it that. sounds like your personality changed?
2: yeah I, I totally i do think that that's true because you know all our organs and uh, are, are all part of uh they become part of our souls you know and, and our energy you know it's all part of us it's not you know so it's 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 very much yeah i i agree with that one um because um it was interesting actually because i, I had a blunt a blood transfusion and uh, uh and i found nothing too drastic but this is quite funny because my friends were laughing at it because i I was never really into sports when I was at school, but um, I I suddenly found that I was into watching soccer games. I was like, and my mates were laughing, going, you, you like soccer, you know? And then I I was, then I started getting into, I was also into watching uh, American Westerns, like old, old uh, US movies, old Westerns and stuff like that. And I was really into them. And so it was like, I thought, that's probably the blood transfusion. Isn't it? I, I didn't put that down to the near death experience yeah. <laughs> because cause that actually went after a bit. So, that, so if you think about it, you know, that blood transfusion that I had will have kind of, you know, diluted its way through my system. So, but, so I figured that, that, that yeah, that even blood, even blood has, has, uh, you know, carries elements of someone's soul.
0: Wow. Um, do you think that there is more than one dimension when you die or do you think we all go to the same space that you were in
2: well i do you know what i figured that is that the space that i went to was was almost like if you like a, a departure lens you know it was like I, I felt straight away when the beings were there and they were healing me that i was I, I knew that i was being prepared for something at that stage and i didn't know what so yeah i do believe that I don't just—I don't believe that uh, you know people just go on to you know one big space and they stay there because as far there's millions and millions of souls passing all the time, you know, not just yeah. in human form but animals as well, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. what, even insects, you know, everything's got—it's uh, going to pass on and move on. I believe in reincarnation as well, so I believe that you know that basically a lot a lot of souls do come back and have another life, but I also do believe in certain loved ones that do stay with us you know that that stay with their families you know that their sole purpose is to um be in that um sphere and be close to us you know to watch over us i think they're they're all part of our guidance as well Mm
0: -hmm. through life. do you remember like at the point when you went back into your body
2: Hmm. yeah i remember it well (laughs) (laughs) it was like a crash landing you know it was
0: like
2: it was like a job struck me most actually was the um was the overload, the overkill of sound and vision? You know, the light was just like it was bright, but it was just like screaming in my eyes, and then the sound was just like shrilling in my ears. It's gone. Oh no! You know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, but well, I was I was I didn't feel any regret. I didn't feel oh no, you know. I just thought I was more charged with the positive energy, and I thought wow, that was brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I just couldn't wait to tell people.
0: That's amazing. I know when after mine, my, my hearing was very heightened, my vibration was so high, and it's yeah. still different. I liked different music. The music I liked before, I no longer liked. It actually felt unsettling in my soul when I listened to it. So my, my taste in music changed a lot of things that I liked before I, I didn't like anymore. And I was more sensitive in crowds and around groups of people. Yeah, That's
2: true. That, that's yeah. That's one. Yeah. Absolutely. Bang on. I'm the same with that. I, can't.
0: I couldn't yeah. get enough knowledge. I wanted to read books and, and, and well, listen to books. I wanted to do have soulful conversations with people. A yeah. lot of, a lot of things shifted.
2: Yeah. For me too. I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like Like things like TV, like irrelevant tv and negative tv you know soap dramas that were all based on you know negative stuff i just couldn't watch And but not only that i just find that i have the tv on even now still i have it on really low on volume and people really notice it <laughs> they go can we turn it up you know <laughs> and i go okay, if we must you know so it's kind of like so i just can't stand overload of to me it all seems like mad it's just like madness me, Why yeah. do we need to have so much noise Exactly. Yeah. Do
1: you feel that you then became an empath then afterwards and you found that you were not before?
2: Say that again. Sorry.
1: Do you feel like you became like an empath, you know, someone who can absorb the energy and is very heightened to senses and really doesn't have a choice? So protection then becomes. Have you ever heard that term before? Empath? No,
2: I haven't heard it before. That's why I was oh. asking you again. So yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So actually, yeah, I was so, so like relieved when I was, when I was like, oh my God, there's a, there's a name for what I am. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a very highly sensitive person, but like on another level, like on a spiritual level, like, Yeah. yeah
2: i used to love partying i used to love going out to bars and just being noise was great for me and and i just wanted it it kind of filled the void if you like anything that was going wrong in my life anything like that was great but now it's quite the opposite that um i love socializing with people of course but um i get to the stage where it's it can be just too much and i just think i i really don't feel comfortable being here anymore because it's just so loud and especially with, with alcohol as well because alcohol ultimately enhances the people's voices go up and everything goes up everything gets louder and louder and then it's, it's, it's kind of like oh, this is too much <laughs> it's time to go home but, oh um... yes
0: i can relate really. <laughs>
2: Another thing I did, yeah, when I, the, when I came back was I was very interested, not not just in watching football, soccer and, and, and westerns, but I was interested in watching interviews and programs uh, and films about uh, astronauts going out to space, space travel, because mm-hmm. I wanted to see what their take was on being out in the universe itself. And I was very delighted to see a lot of the feedback was amazing i mean these guys are the ultimate scientists you've got to be a scientist to to go to the moon you know you can't just say hey you know i'm spiritualist you know they'll say well sorry back to the back of the queue you know you've got to be a scientist to be able to pull that job off but when they're interviewed afterwards when they've retired or even as they're talking straight after the coming back into the earth's orbit some of the stuff they were saying was so spiritual it was beautiful you know and i just thought there you go they were in the universe itself and they experienced that energy that is part of us as einstein said you know the energy is constantly moving forward so i feel therefore so are we and also the universe wants everything to recreate you know it creates all the four seasons the trees the leaves dying and then the growing again the grass growing and and all the animals reproducing and all these different things that happen that's all the universe that's bringing that about and i think that we as as a human race we forget that because we just think well we're really intelligent and we're in charge of our lives which is not true we're very good at it but we're not in charge of it which has been proven you know we've just had a, a world's pandemic you know which is like the whole earth has just gone like that and everyone's just going "Ah, oh, this can't happen to us we're in control of, the, of our destiny so it's been proven that that's not actually the case
1: well that's fascinating i love the moon and the stars too I, I bet you look at the sky a lot differently now
2: oh yeah totally yeah i remember the the night that i was writing the lyrics to because I, I wanted to have some lyrics in the third movement of my piece about my near-death experience i'd gone up and i was actually staying in, in a beach house and I'd read in the newspaper the night before that there was going to be a meteor storm um, that night at 3 a.m. roughly. So I stayed up for it, and I just sat on this little sand dune on my own. And it was very calm. And I just watched, and it was like this massive display of lights just coming through. I just felt so inspired from just seeing that. That It almost took that. me back to that space that I'd been in, you know. And the lyrics just came. Like the next day, I just wrote the lyrics straight off the
0: next Wow. Day so let's talk about your book shine on at first i'm curious about your co-author so you guys have been friends for a long time
2: yeah that's right i mean but as i said to you i'm know, being dyslexic i i'd always wanted to write this story um, but i just mm-hmm. thought this, it's never going to happen i thought there's no way i'm going to be able to write a whole book and it's all there it's all in there and it's all inside and i thought this it's so many people say hey, it's a great story you should write your story i was going yeah if only so again uh, synchronicity this friend of mine i hadn't seen her uh, for a while and she moved down from scotland and uh so we hadn't been in touch that much and we got chatting and, and she, we got talking about it and uh he said "Oh, if you want i'll help you you know and uh, you know, i can ghostwrite this for you And i said that'd be brilliant so she explained what a ghostwriter was i didn't even know what ghostwriters were so it was great because she's actually said to me since that she feels now that she was channeling she knew nothing about channeling but obviously after interviewing hours and hours of, of interviews and stuff and tapes that she realized that she was channeling as she was written writing the book because there were certain aspects of my characters that she just got and she was able just to help me put it into words you know and get it onto the printed page so there was hardly any struggles if you like you know there was no sort of like no, no 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 hang on a sec, this is not me you know you've got it all wrong you know it just kind of it just came together really beautifully But I think it's important as well that you know I want people to know when they buy the book you're not just going to read about a near-death experience you're going to read about the journey that my life took from the emptiness that I was in and the hopelessness basically that I was in Uh, a completely different three-dimensional life that I now have And, and as I say it's a journey of love as well so
0: for people that read it what are your hopes for them to take away from your book
2: well, so far, everyone that does read, I mean, it's interesting, you know, I've had people get in touch with me, you know, old schoolmates or whatever and stuff like that, who I never would have thought of would have read it. And they said, oh, I saw your book, and I've and I bought it, and I read it and, it, and it's fantastic. And they are the kind of blokes that I never thought would even want to talk about spirituality and stuff like that. And, and I was going, oh, thanks for buying it and reading it. And, you know, this one guy, this is only a couple of weeks ago, and he was getting back to me, he was going, yeah, he said, he said, my wife's. Father died two weeks ago, and, and it's helped us both, you know, sort of reevaluate the afterlife. And he said, and you confirmed a lot of thoughts that I had in my own mind. And it's and I just thought that is brilliant. So, I guess you know, ultimately, it I I would love a for people to have no fear of death and and realize that once they read it, that death is not to be feared, but also to try and grasp the importance of, uh, of love and this and the self love and that is in that story because that's that's really important mm. as well yeah
1: did you just lose your mother yes i'm so sorry
2: oh no well it, it's a year ago but it's still really I'm so
1: sorry for your
0: loss
2: so, oh thank you
0: you think that your death prepared you to help deal with your mom's death better
2: oh yeah definitely yeah so, when she uh when she passed um i remember we she'd had a heart attack in the afternoon, so you know, she went into hospital and so I was with her the night before with my sister and she was fine. You know, she'd survived the heart attack. It wasn't a serious one. And, um, but, uh, and my mom had Alzheimer's as well. So it's kind of like that night before she seemed more lucid than, uh, it was like our old mom was back, you know, and we just had a really beautiful time. We just kept telling each other how much we loved each other. So that was like brilliant closure having that moment. And then I got a phone call early the next morning from the hospital. And I knew it was bad news, you know, and you get a phone call. And uh, the doctor came on the phone. And he said, your mum's had a massive heart attack. I think you better come in. I said, yeah. So I jumped in the car and uh, I turned on the ignition. And a piece of classical music that I have got to like, which is by uh, Mahler, and it's Marla's Fifth Symphony, came on. And it was right from the opening chords, as soon as I turned on the engine. And I knew at that point that mum had gone. I just thought, oh, she's gone. I thought either she or my guides have put that on because i got a 20 minute drive to the hospital and they put this on to calm me and and it did calm me and i yeah of course a physical loss you know i lost my mom who brought me into the world and i loved her and i and i grieved for her which i'm glad i did of course yes and but i knew ultimately i remember saying to her i said i went in to see after she died and stuff and And I just stroked her head and I said, well, mom, you know, I I know where you are now and you're going to love it there. And I just said it (laughs) total hand on heart. I was completely convinced and happy that she, she would love it. And she was also away from this awful Alzheimer's as well. So it was great great of that, you know, so, so there was a kind of, there was a a moment of beauty in in it as well. Yeah. Uh, Mom,
1: I'm so sorry. That's a beautiful story though. I'm glad that your guides, are so there for you placing that moment of peace for you you know on your way to see your mother
2: yeah yeah i know
1: will you share your website where people learn more about your story and your book and listen to your music
2: yeah so my website is called shineonthestory.com. so if you go there you can you can stream the the first symphony for free you can listen to that To your heart's content, and you can look at my paintings. And then, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever, yeah, there's a channel there. You can you can find the links on the website as well. You can also click on you can buy the book there, which will take you probably it will take it to your wherever you are in the world. It'll take it to your Amazon outlet or what have you.
0: Did you draw the art for your book?
2: Yes, yes, I did do. Yeah, Yeah. oh yeah, I had to do the cover. Yeah, so Yeah. yeah, so that's me.
0: So here in America, people always use the saying, like, uh, comatose, like, oh, I I feel like I'm comatose today, like really tired. And I'm like, no, you can't use that because I've actually been in a coma. Another one they always use is today, I feel like I was hit by a train. And so you're probably like, no, you cannot use that. i have actually (laughs) hit by a train
2: people uh, do it all the time but it just makes me laugh actually you know because uh, you know, they apologize straight away they'll do well i did it myself i went off the tracks a bit there kind of thing you know. Oh, 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 i've done it myself
0: well it has been such a pleasure thank you for sharing your story
2: you're welcome i'll just if people do want to that i'm offering like the first chapter for free on my website so if people you know are curious and they want to have a look at that first before buying they can do that so if you click on my website you know shine on the story.com you'll see you'll just see this big blue thing it says first chapter free download so do have a have a look if you want
0: and now it's time for break that shit down
2: stop and be in the moment you know just forget about the past that the past is gone and it doesn't actually exist it doesn't belong to you anymore and also so is the future the future doesn't exist we don't know what the future holds so don't Spend time thinking about it now. Just enjoy the presence. And if you do that, you'll suddenly realize that actually the present's quite a good place to be. And it's no matter what's going on in the world, pandemic, whatever, if you stop and look around you in this present moment, it's all right. It's okay. So that's what I'll, I'll leave it.
0: That's perfect. Shannon <laughs> does that
1: all the time. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate Pleasure. your
2: time. Thank you so much for, for yeah, inviting I, me along. It's, it's been great chatting I, with you both, really. You know, yes.
0: And, I'm sure you're ready for dinner now. We're keeping oh, you Oh, God, up. I'm fine.
2: No, I could just carry on <laughs> chatting to you guys all evening. I'm enjoying it. So, enough
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate yeah. you
2: both as well. Thanks so much.